Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DeCastro. On this episode, I'll be talking with astrologer Linda Hill. We'll be discussing the Sabian symbols and how to use them in chart interpretation and as an oracle. Welcome, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you hear the interview with Linda. It was great fun to talk to her. She's just full of information and was really just a pleasure to interview. Um, I've had an interest in the Sabian symbols for a long time, and the whole idea of channeled information is something that, you know, I think Lisa and I, Lisa Raffalo and I had discussed on a previous show that channeled information has always been something that's suspect to me. But for some reason, with the Sabian symbols, when I read them, I hear things that resonate with me and that work for me when I apply it to charts. And so some things we just have to accept the mystery of and uh, look at how they really feel when we, when we receive that information. So I'd like to just take a minute to introduce Linda. Linda Hill is a second-generation astrologer and author. She has a popular astrological practice serving clients in person at her home in Avalon, Sydney, Australia, and worldwide by phone and email. She's an author, teacher, lecturer, and speaker, and is known for her light, easy-to-understand style and her desire to communicate. Her specialty in astrology is the Sabian symbols. She is considered to be the world's leading expert in their use and application. Having completed 24 lecture tours of the United States and three world tours, she is well-known and respected in both the astrological and New Age markets. Her book, 360 Degrees of Wisdom, Charting Your Destiny with the Sabian Oracle, has been published by Penguin USA and Sony Magazines in Japanese. So enjoy the interview with Linda. Linda, welcome to the show, and I'm just so pleased to have you on. Um, Wonderful. And so I'm talking to you. This is my first uh, interview from Down Under and uh, really excited to have you on. So thank you for for taking the time. It's my pleasure. So I became interested in the Sabian symbols actually uh, a few years back. And one of the first resources that I had was your book. And I read the book and um, I actually used your interpretations and your words about the symbols when I put together an astrological mandala for a friend of mine that was having a, a birthday. And I, what I did was I put her chart on a poster board and I printed out the text uh, for each symbol of her oh, planets. And then I put it all on the big poster board right around her chart. And so it had your words on it. And it was pretty amazing. And she found it to be a very, um, a very powerful representation of herself uh, mm. when she read the symbols. So I, I feel like I have this connection with uh, with your interpretation of the symbols and your words about them um, that really helped me to understand them on a deeper level. Um, so can you talk a little bit about just your history in coming into contact with the symbols yourself and what got you interested in them? And then we'll talk a little bit about your particular uh, text and things that you've written about them. 
Certainly, thank you. Well, I'd love to see that. Have seen that mandala. That sounds yeah. really lovely. Um, a wonderful use of art because, of course, being symbols, it's really good to use it in that that measure. It uh, it really can turn on your right brain as well as your left brain. So it's a wonderful use of the of the medium. Um, how did I get into the Sabian symbols? Well, I was I was studying with uh, a teacher called Alia Griffin, who people in in Australia would know. Um, and he was a wonderful teacher, and one and we were doing this um, lesson on progressions, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the progressed lunations, progressed full moon, progressed new moon, and the quarters. Yeah. And um, and I, I love progressions. Um, I've really got into them, you know, and I use them in all my readings. But I was here. I was learning about them, and he brought up the Sabian symbols. Now he said what my Sabian symbol was for my progressed new moon. Yeah. It was happening just a few years later. And although I, it didn't really mean a lot to me at that moment, although now I know exactly what, well, not exactly, because it's always unfolding further, but now I know what he meant by that. But at that stage, it was like, oh, I don't really know what you mean, but what are you talking about? The saving symbols, all that sounds really interesting. So a few weeks later, I, I saw a copy of um, Dane Rajar's Astrological Mandala, and um, and I bought that, mm-hmm. and um and I thought it was really an interesting thing. And then I had a reading with a clairvoyant. This is like, you know, some months later. And she said, um, she was a friend of mine, but she gave me a reading at my um, birthday party and she just uh, closed her eyes and um, started saying, Linda, you're going to have a speciality in astrology that no one else is really doing and you're going to travel the world and you're going to go um, particularly to the United States again and again. You're going to lecture, you're going to write books. And she said, one's going to be huge. Now, I remember what she says because I, I taped it. Well, it was also rather impactful. I was there going, oh, Georgina, I don't know what you're talking about. What <laughs> am I going to do in astrology? Write a book about Aries, Taurus, Gemini, the sun, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, well, I don't know either, Linda. I'm just telling you what I'm saying. So I was like, hmm, okay. This sounds really good. Um, I never thought I could lecture. It made me feel ill to get up and, and say things in front of people. Um, anyway, long story cut short... I asked for it, and within six months, I gave my first lecture on the saving symbols in the United States in Michigan Wow! at the invitation of Ray Merriman. Now, before she told me that, there was no way I, A, thought I could write a book, B, have a speciality in anything in particular in astrology. There was nothing standing out. Um, C, I didn't ever think that I could stand up in front of people and speak. Um, and now I've done 24 lecture tours of the United States, and, you know, and Penguin picked up my book, uh, Penguin New York. And Sony Japan, so it's sort of like it just like it just ran. It's I became like a woman obsessed at the beginning, and I didn't even put two and two together. I didn't go, yeah. oh, this is the thing that clairvoyant said, and now I'm going to research it, and this is what I'm going to do. Right. I just did it. <laughs> so now, in retrospect, and that's yes. often how we do understand progressions and transits after the fact, you know. That's right. Uh, and now you can see how that played out. That's so, right. so what changed for you that that made you able to? just get into standing up in front of people and teaching about about this material? I think, to be honest, I think it was just that I asked for it. Yeah. I, um, I literally said, I, I want to have what Georgina said. I want to write a book. I want to be a specialist in this thing. I, I want to be able to get up in front of people and speak. And from the minute that I asked for it, you know, the law of attraction, this sort of stuff that they talked about in What the Bleep, that movie and the book and whatever they've got, the <laughs> DVD, um, uh, that's just, I never got embarrassed or upset or confused or didn't know what to say. I mean, I can stand up in front of a bunch of people now and just speak at the top of my head. And all I did was ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is rather confronting because there's other bits of one's life one would fix. <laughs> you know, it's very confronting that we have this, uh, it's like it's given the responsibility back to us. Yes, you can stand up in front of people and speak, just do it. Oh, really? And then you do. Yeah. Well, you know what, oh, wow. so just a curiosity question, does does that show up in your chart anywhere, in your own chart, the ability to do that, that speaking or the call to do that? I've got four planets in my 10th house. Mm -hmm. I've got Jupiter in Gemini in my 6th. I think that that may be a reflection of it. But um, somebody else might have that and, of course, not have come to that or, you know, not had those things happen. I think all of us have got the ability to do whatever we want and within measure. I don't think I'll ever be a brain surgeon. (laughs) I'm a different type of brain surgeon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the chart man- can manifest on in many different ways, but right. I think the 10th house planets definitely could could be uh, something that would at least call you towards that public way of expressing. That's right. Yeah. I've got two planets in the 11th as well, and I think that that's, you know, you're going and speaking at all the conferences and and things like that. That really uh, opens up stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so the saving symbols. So the saving symbols started to reveal themselves to me, and then I had this... Um, I met with, I spoke at a conference in, in Melbourne. This was very early on. It was my first lecture in a big, big lecture in Australia at a conference. Mm-hmm. At a packed room, which was great, um, because people were going, oh, saving symbol, something new, that's unusual. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people came, and that was wonderful. Um, and right on the other side, just outside that, that room, was the folks from um, Solar Fire. I don't know if you're listening oh, yes. to know that Solar Fire is an Australian product. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, Stephanie um, Johnson and Graham Dawson, who made uh, Solify, were on you know on the other side of the wall, and they heard uh, the response to my lecture, which was a very good response. And they said, "We'd really love you to write something for Solify." And I said, "Well, what I've got in me, I think, is the beginnings of it. So I feel like I've got more the spark." And I said, "You've got a little program called Solar Spark. I'd really rather write an oracle than write something of." you know, about um, how it might manifest in people's lives in terms of their charts. So I said, first, I'd really like to write an oracle. So can we put it in Solar Spark? And they said, yes, we'd love it. So it went into Solar Spark, um, mm-hmm. which was an, it's an add-on to Solar Fire. And that's got, that got, the, me, uh, got me the impetus to do it. And then I spent uh, 12 years rewriting and writing the, um, the book, which has been variously published. So it really got me into it. And then I found some very, very strange things um, about myself with Elsie Wheeler. Yeah. Well, actually, I'd love to hear about that. Um, Fascinating Yeah. Just a little background on Elsie Wheeler first. So she was the channel for the Sabian symbols themselves in 1925, right? That's right. Yeah. And so she's... um, she seemed to be a really um, extraordinary woman. I'm convinced of that. That's for sure. She was born in 1887 in uh, southern Illinois. Um, no one really had done any research into her life, and I decided that I was going to... One of the quests in my life was to reveal Elsie, to have Elsie um, be acknowledged for the work that she did and, and uh, to have her known. Um, because quite often people talk about Mark Edmund Jones, and, and so they should. That's great. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Dane Rajar. Same with him. He's done. He did wonderful work on the saving symbols and, and brought them forward. But a lot of people don't really mention Elsie Wheeler. But just in passing, we'll say that she was the psychic that that uh, performed the experiment. I'm going to just take a step back and I'm going to explain what the, the experiment was. I think. In, yeah, that would be great. In, yes, so people understand. In 1925, Mark Edmund Jones wanted to. Um, 
uh, get a set of symbols, meaning word phrases. The Sabian symbols are a word phrase. Um, he wanted to get a set of word phrases for each of the degrees of the zodiac, the 360 degrees of the zodiac. So he knew he'd met Elsie Wheeler, and she seemed to have this amazing clairvoyant ability. Um, and he chose her because he said that she'd, her life up to then had been very pure. Um, she'd not really been out there in the world, um, and she seemed to be a pure channel. Now, why he said that, I believe, is because from a very early age, she was confined to the Bethesda Hospital and Home for the Incurables. She was in there for over 30 years or around 30 years. I can't get the exact time. I don't know the exact time she went in there. Mm -hmm. She went in there before 1900 and she came out in 1923. Wow. I believe she went in there um, around um, 1994, uh, 1894, I apologize, around that time because her mother and her father died two years apart from each other um, and she was then an orphan. So I believe that she was sent from southern Illinois to um, St. Louis, Missouri, to the Bethesda Home for the Incurables, and she stayed in there for something like 30 years. It might have been 29 years and sat in return of, of the thing, and then she was out. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, then she went to San Diego, and um, I assume she met uh, uh, Micah and Jones there. She was confined to a wheelchair with um, rheumatoid arthritis. That's why she was in the Home for the Incurables. Um, she would have experienced a lot of pain and loneliness and loss in her life. Um, when she was in the home for the incurables, there would have been people dying around her, young and old. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the census records from 1900 and 1910 and um, 1920. And in each of those, she's listed as being in the home for the incurables. And you can see these different ages of people that were around her. Um, a lot of people would have come and gone. So that would have been a very difficult thing for such a young woman to be confined to a wheelchair. Anyway, that's a bit about Elsie. Yeah. So she went uh, then to San San Diego, met Markham, Edmund Jones, and he decided that he wanted to do this experiment, he called it, where he would get um, uh, word images, phrases for the um, uh, degrees of the zodiac, the 360 degrees of the zodiac. So they went to Balboa Park. This was in 1925. We don't know what date it happened. um, That wasn't either recorded or passed down. Mm -hmm. Mark Evan Jones might not have wanted it to be known what date it was. Uh, He might have wanted to keep that a mystery. Um, Anyway, um, what he did was he had 360 white cardboard cards, three inches by five inches, like index cards, and he would sit there and shuffle the cards and pull one out and put it in front of her. On the back of each card would be Aries 1, Aries 2, Aries 3. You know, the 360 cards had the degrees of the zodiac on one side. On the other side was blank. So he would put it in front of her. She would see an image in her inward mind. Mm-hmm. And he'd write it down on the card. He'd discard that card, shuffle the cards, take another one. Why I'm emphasizing shuffling is because it was done completely at random. She didn't start at Aries. Right. She goes through to Pisces. Uh, she didn't really know about astrology. She was not an astrologer. She wasn't into astrology, as far as I can tell. In fact, she was a little bit afraid or wary of psychic things when she first went to San Diego, Mike um, like Jones said, and she grew into her abilities. I think she grew, she thought that it was all right to have these abilities, and she was actually listed in the 1930s um, census in San Diego as being a spiritualist medium. And in those days, that wasn't an unusual thing. I mean, it, uh-huh. not... It's not like a lot of people were spiritualist mediums, but you would be okay with putting that on your census form. Oh, 
Wow. Um, yeah, because it was, it was not uncommon for people to seek solace with their loss of um, particularly the men who died in World War One and World War Two. Right, right. So that that was the sort of thing. Of course, she was on the she was in in the, in the middle of that. But um, and there was the Crimea War. There's people people lost people. It was mostly the women who were looking to contact their departed loved ones, particularly the men. Right, that makes sense. Yes, it was interesting. It's interesting to look at it, into all this because we're forgotten. We weren't alive. Right. <laughs> when this was happening, and so. You know, we, we think that a lot of this stuff is like has never really come out, and we think that the new age now is when all this stuff is more coming out. Well, no, actually, we were really into it, you know, 100 years ago, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, that type of time frame. Um, so it was done completely at random, and when you get into working with the saving symbols, the fact that she did it at random becomes an amazing, mind-boggling thing because you'll see an enormous inner structure that I don't even think that if you knew that you were doing it, you know, Aries 1, Aries 2, and you work from the beginning and work to the end, I don't think you could come up with something as amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at um, the fixed degrees of um, uh, the 20 degrees, around the 20 degrees of fixed degrees, so 20 degrees of Taurus, 20 degrees of Leo, 20 degrees of Scorpio, 20 degrees of Aquarius, all right either on there or right next to it are images to do with birds. So when you get the Grand Cross, they're all bird images. Oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I mean, there are other bird images too, but there's not a lot. There's not, you know, it's, it's that, why it's really interesting, I find, this thing is that, okay, say you have something around 19, 20, 21 degree of fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have those bird degrees really playing in because every time you have a transit over those, those degrees, either square, opposite, or conjunct your planet, mm-hmm. it's going to bring up image, issues to do with birds, which are spiritual channels, which can mean messages. I mean, there's different meanings. It doesn't have to be that you've got a lot of birds in your life. Right. Um, but the things that birds symbolize uh, come up for you. It's uh, fascinating. Anyway, so they did this whole thing, the 360 degrees. They did it in one day. Um, and Dane Raja worked it out. He said that if they'd done an eight-hour day, and remembering that she's crippled with arthritis and has her own needs, I mean, she would have had to have been fed... Um, should have to have gone to the toilet at some stage. And here is Markham and Jones who wanted to be alone with her. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe her nurse, she had a personal nurse, um, might have been somewhere close by and they might have called her in when she was needed. I, I, don't Im- I think logistically that would have been a very difficult day in 1925 in the park in San Diego. Right. Um, so that always needs to come into consideration. Dane Rajah worked out that if they did an eight-hour day, which would be roughly, you know, with an hour for lunch, say, um, that she would have seen an image every minute and a half. Wow. For eight hours. That's fast. And you don't really think about that, do you, until you sit, you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if you, you backtrack and you go, okay, um, how long might they have done this? Uh, 360, you know, divided by how many hours and how many minutes? It's just mind-boggling. That sounds really tiring. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. It must have been so for her, I would imagine. Or either she was just such an easeful channel that it just flowed. It's, it's, it's amazing to think about. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and then when you use them in your charts, and you, use them, you can use them as an oracle, you use them in your charts, it becomes mind-boggling that that becomes so apparent, that they, that they, they work so amazingly, that they, uh, that they will reflect events, they will affect emotional states. I have uh, a question for you, I guess just to start the process of looking how you would use these. 
uh, symbols is when you look at a natal chart, how do you use the symbols in doing readings for other people? Okay, so when I look at an adult chart, I used to say that, okay, you start at the sun and then you, you, know, you look at the moon and then you look at the ascendant, which I think is a really good start for, um, for a student. But um, I think it's really great when you're getting into it because it, it expands your knowledge and you're starting from a starting point, a vantage point. Um, what I find with myself is because I have the saving symbols in my head now, I'm, I've got them all memorized, um, I can look at a chart and go, oh, that's the dinner, you know, the table set for an evening meal and this one's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and this is, you know, the bird, you know, the carrier pigeon or whatever it happens to be. So they, they spring out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, find, um, I find my mind will go to a particular one that says a lot because Saturn is transiting. So I, the way I look at it is a little bit more advanced than a beginning student working with the saving symbols might look, of course, because yeah. I've got them in my head. Um, I always work with progressions also with a, um, with a chart. But I think the, the way that I used to go with it is, you know, looking at the sun and then looking at the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the ascendant is unknown, you can leave that one out, of course, um, until you've looked at a few of the other ones. But I think it's really fascinating to go through. And I think for someone who's just beginning to work with them, it could be quite a good idea to write them out. Yeah. You know, not necessarily all the interpretation, just the symbol. Yeah. Uh, like the degree of the, the moon right now is the uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm. It's a wonderful promise of fruition and riches. And, and um, I, I really think that that's what the saving symbols are. I think they're an enormously wonderful tool to add to astrology or even uh, to the field of uh, oracles, you know, like the I Ching or uh, any oracular uh, or divination system. Um, and I think that they are like a pot of gold. Um, and it's been one of the major degrees that I've researched over the years. So anyway, so you can write down the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow with someone's sun degree, say, or, um, you know, and then you can look at their Mercury and their Venus and write them down and then really see how that would, um, that could work in somebody's uh, life. Like somebody might have the sun degree in Scorpio, the 14th degree of Scorpio is the um, telephone linesman at work installing new connections. Well, you might think to yourself, well, how does this person operate? Are they a networker? Are they into um, uh, are they into the internet? Are they into telephones? Are they someone when they uh, that have, that's very into meeting new people? On the more um, possibly uh, restrictive side, there might be someone who doesn't reach out to people. Uh, telephone lines when at work installing new connections. They may be a little afraid of people, um, uh, you know, bombarding them with their own stuff or in, intruding on their own sense of privacy. And they may be very, very careful or wary about who they reach out to. Someone can be a networker or someone can be a little bit more of a recluse. Um, but the thing is that the whole, the issue is about networking or, or meeting people or connecting or uh, communicating. So, you know, you could start off the dialogue with someone by saying, how do you communicate? It seems to be a big issue in your chart. Mm-hmm. So it kind of leads you into ways to talk about the person's chart with them, too. That's right. Yeah. Um, so as I, you know, as I had said at the beginning, I did that kind of that process for my friend. And, and what I did find with her in writing all of that out, when she looked at the whole thing collectively, it's almost like she got a story. And I, I oh. wonder if you have seen that to be true as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we all, have our, we all have our stories, and I think the saving symbols will really illustrate those stories. And, um, I had a couple come to me years and years ago. I, I like this story. Um, 
a couple came to me years and years ago, and I don't normally do couple readings. So I, I try to, I try not to do it anyway, because there's often things you want to say in private to one person, and so I can be a bit gnarly, mm-hmm. a bit strange. But so I said, well, I don't normally do them, but if you really insist, no, 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 we really, really want to both see you at the same time. I said, that's fine, okay. So <laughs> come along, and so they, they, um, in the during the uh, the session, no, before the session, I apologise. I was looking at both of their charts, and I went oh, my God, he's got so many sailing degrees in his chart. Mm-hmm. It was, um, there was, there was these sort of heaps of sailing and boating degrees in his chart. And I thought, gee, that's a standout. There must have been four or something, like water, boating, ocean, sea type of uh, degrees. And I went, wow, that's interesting. There's a bit of a standout theme going on there. And the woman's chart had, like, as the moon or the sun or something major, was the deserter from the Navy. And I went, oh, that's funny. <laughs> got the deserter from the Navy. So anyways, when they came, I said, you know, um, you know, what, I asked them what was the, the motive for wanting to have the reading done. And they said, and she, she started, she was really cranky. She said, he wants to buy a boat. He just will not give up on wanting to buy a boat. Um, he's so determined to have a boat. And I know I'm going to be left alone and I'm not going to, you know, and it's going to be like, you know, the, the golf widow or something. She was talking about that. And I just went, oh, my goodness me. Well, he certainly has a lot of boating and, and sailor degrees in his chart. So, and, you know, we talked about it and it came to the whole thing. It's like, yes, he should really get a boat. And it was just, and because I could really show it to them in the saving symbols, she just, she went, oh, I can really see why he longs to have a boat. There's something he needs to complete here. It could be something calming from a past life. It could be something he just needs to, to do in his life, a destiny thing. Um, anyway, so it was like... <clears throat> Me. It was like, um, uh, he, no, he has to buy the boat, but you can go out on the boat. And she, was, she said, look, even last week we went to a yard sale and he bought this horrible picture of a Spanish galleon and he's hung it over the fireplace. And she oh said, I hate it. I hate the look of it. I hate it there. I said, well, I tell you what, I reckon he could probably take that picture down. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have the money, because they said, yes, we have the money, we can afford the boat. Um, and I said, well, if you have the money, you know, I'd be buying the boat. And I said, you can go out on the boat if you really want to, or you can't, or don't if you don't want to. And you know what? She just came to this realization that it really was something that was going to make him happy. And you know, we came up with ideas how to, for her to be happy when he's out there sailing. She really didn't really want to do it. Um, and they left walking down the driveway holding hands. And I looked out the window and just went, oh my God, that was wild. Um, I've had several since then, of course, of those types of experiences, but I particularly like that story. Um, the Spanish galleon over the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I could just picture some horrible black velvet painting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, she, she, you know, I'm sure he would felt that it was fine to take that down and possibly sell it at the next yard sale. Yeah. Um, sell it on to someone else, you know, and, and uh, I just, uh, actually years later they got in touch with me and, um, and uh, she said they bought the boat, it was the best thing I could have done and she, she got more and more into it but she felt that she didn't have to go every time he did and, and you know, it, it just, it really, it worked out for them both. Um, they do weave magic and they will, they will cause magic things to happen and we know what we mean by magic, it can mean many things, it can mean synchronicities, things being revealed that are so totally amazing. Um, it sounds like a, that was a synchronicity speaking to you as well, showing you really the power of the, the symbols. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I guess you, you can. You can you can see a theme that's going on. You might get someone's chart 
where they have a theme of wanting to do their own thing and not complying with how others, um, what others want. And it might be a really lifelong situation they have to come to terms with. And really from the saving symbols, when you see something like you might have the deserter from the Navy, that's the third degree of Aquarius in your chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you might come to terms with understanding why you always want to re- leave a relationship. You know, you're the first one to want to run out the door or you want to leave your jobs and you, you find it hard to stick at something. Um, and when you discover that it's something that's in there, it's not an excuse per se mm-hmm. to, you know, behave badly or, or you know, to, to wish away, you know, the things that you do. It's more of an understanding of why you may behave in certain ways and then you might realise that, what you want, need to do is to sign up for things that you really want to be involved in. Not, you know, if you're a deserter from the Navy, it's because you signed up and then decided that you didn't want to do that anymore. So you have to be true to yourself and not compromise your ideals and to sign up for things that you really do want to sign up for. Right. So it can give you just another way to have insight into yourself uh, beyond amazing. just the literal meaning of the planet and the sign. Absolutely amazing insight. And what I find now is someone, if someone says to me, for example, that they have Mars in Cancer, well, that's great. That tells me a whole bunch of stuff about them. Mm-hmm. But unless they tell me what degree it is, I can't go deeper with that um, information Well, in the way that I look. Of course, you can see if they've got an opposition to Pluto yeah. in their chart. Of course, you can see all that. But in terms of like degrees, if you tell me what degree it is, you tell me it's the, you know, the fifth degree of, of um, cancer, then I can go, oh, right, there's a whole story behind that. You know, you're, you really like to, you really are a homebody because it's a homebody degree. Um, it's really interesting that the layer that it can add to it. The awareness is, is extraordinary. And then beyond uh, using it in natal charts, there are so many other ways to use the symbols. And one I'd like to talk about is how to use them as an oracle, which is really the subject of uh, one of your books, which is the that that is the 360 degrees of wisdom charting your destiny with the Sabian oracle, right? Yes, yes. And I've also, thank you, I've also um, published it, self-published it under the title of the Sabian symbols as an oracle. So some people might see it. So um, it's been published in Japanese and Polish and Romanian now, which is really great. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, um, with the oracle part of it, I, I, I read uh, Dane Rajar's book, The Astrological Mandala, and he said that people could uh, use it as an oracle. That was, you know, as a modern American I Ching. But I noticed that nobody had really done anything with it. Um, and he came up with a way of using uh, playing cards to use it as an oracle. Um, and he assigned the, uh, the seasons to, well, it's a long story anyway to go through that, but, but a very interesting way that he came up to use the cards. And I thought that's a little convoluted for people and they won't understand exactly how to use playing cards with the saving symbols. We need something much simpler. So I came up, it took me some time to be honest with you, but it, but it was so simple when I realized it. I came up with a system where you just have red cards with the, degree, with the signs on one side, mm-hmm. Aries, Taurus, Gemini. So 12 red cards yeah. and 30 blue cards. And so on the back of each card would be the degrees, one, two, three. So 30 cards numbered one to 30. Right. And so um, what you do is you shuffle the cards and you take a red one and a blue one and you get a, a degree of the, um, a sign and degree of the zodiac. Mm-hmm. And um, that coming out there is, um, you know, I've just opened my book at random. You can, do, you can do it in many ways. You can just open the book. You can use the cards. You can think of a number and look up that. If you think of a number between 1 and 360, you look up the page number in my book. 
Um, you know, if you don't happen to have the cards around you, you can say, oh, 15, and read page number 15, and it will work. It's extraordinary how it works. Um, so I've just opened it up completely at random to Gemini fix 15, and the Sabian symbol is two Dutch children stu- uh, talking and studying their lessons together. And that's what you and I are doing. We have our own language, and the language is astrology. Yeah. Not everybody understands the language of astrology, so but those who do will understand what we're talking about. Um, we're, we're talking and studying our lessons together. There's the two of us here in this interview. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I didn't ask a question, of course, in that moment. I just opened the book. Um, <laughs> if, you asked, if I was to ask a question, it, 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 would, you know, it, it could be something else that would come up, of course. Um, well, you know what I I actually did before the show is I went on your website and I want to tell all the listeners too that they can do this, and you can click uh, on a spot in the website to get the oracle for a particular question and it will give you a symbol, and uh, so I did that for the interview. What I had in my mind was you know what what advice or what do I need to know about uh, just helping the process of the interview tonight. And it gave me Leo 14, which is cherub-like, a human soul whispers into every receptive ear seeking to manifest. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, and I was looking at a chart right before we had this, um, we started this interview, and that was the degree of the son of the woman, and I was sitting there looking at that degree. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, and, and, that, and as we get synchronicities like that a lot. That is a wonderful degree. Um, well, yeah, if, if you could just talk a little bit about, even beyond that image, what's so helpful in your book and on the website is that you go beyond the image and talk about the meaning of each one and do a little bit more of interpretation than just that, that image by itself. So, yes. um, yeah, if you could go ahead and talk about that degree a little bit, that'd be wonderful. Cherub-like. A human soul whispers into every receptive ear, seeking to manifest. It's about spirit descending and really wishing to make itself known. And it's saying that the receptive ears will hear a message that's coming through. It's about learning, but if one is receptive, one will really, really learn a lot. If one opens one's ears, and of course, one doesn't have to open one's ears, just, just ears. It can, be, um, it can be opening your mind, opening your heart, opening your intellect. Um, so the ear is, is the, uh, the tool, of course, that we use for hearing. Um, but this degree, uh, the, the messages can come through in many ways. It can come through like um, the listeners listening to this, uh, this broadcast um, uh, can learn something. So it's, it's saying that there's some, a very special message that needs to come through. Cherub-like, a human soul whispers into every receptive ear seeking to manifest um, I'll just read straight from my book. It's new realizations and impulses, seeking to have one's voice heard, messages from the other side, and of course that's what happened with Elsie Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Reincarnation, channeling information, there's Elsie. Spirit descending, wishing to make itself known, whispering, passing on news and messages, seeking embodiment, transpersonal urges, cherubs and spirits, ears and hearing, the urge to accomplish something, compassion, Manifesting intention. They're, they're the key words. I've got a lot more written. Um, yeah, but I, it's, there's so much about ears and hearing there. It's just yes. amazing. And how spirit comes into that. That's right. And, and it's, it's almost like um, Elsie is still there um, in some way. Oh, I really want to. If it's okay, I'll get this real urge to tell you that um, 
I did this research on Elsie Wheeler and, and I was absolutely blown out to find out that her mother's maiden name, and I first saw just the initial and then the last name, her mother's maiden name was L. Hill. And that's me, of course. Wow. I mean, it's not me, but I mean, <laughs> my name's L. Hill. Yeah. And um, when I first saw that, I was like, I think a good word is stonkered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you just stop and your jaw drops open and you, you have one of those moments. It turns out her name was Louisa Hill, but that's not a long stretch from Linda Hill. No. But I don't like to get involved too much in, in the um, uh, the glamour of it. You know, I don't go, oh, my God, that's me, you know, in, in terms of that. But then I found out that the, her maternal grandmother's name was um, uh, Helen Hill. Her name is Helen Hill, the maternal grandmother. I mean, we're talking two, you know, 150 years ago, these people were born. Yeah. Um, and I named my daughter Jessica Helen Hill in 1983 before I got into the Sabine Symbols. It was years before I got into the Sabine Symbols. And um, my, um, my ex-husband and I stood there and said, Helen, it's Jessica Helen. And I, I remember very clearly saying to him, we don't know why we've called her Helen, but one day we're going to know. Mm-hmm. And so the name Helen, Jessica Helen Hill, Helen Hill came into my mind. Um, and that's, that I found out years later, really only just a few years ago, and she's 25 now, my, my daughter. I found out that Elsie um, Wheeler's maternal grandmother's name is Helen Hill. That is a really strange connection. <laughs> like there's so, so many synchronicities lining up there. So anyway, I have many more of these stories. Um, they just go on and on. Of just and things that led you to, to maybe right. know that you were supposed to keep uncovering this. That's right. Well, to, to tell you the truth, I mean, this, this, I only found out these things a few years ago, and I already had written the book, and it had been published and everything. So I already had that, you know, real longing to do it. I mean, it was just seems to be inside me. When I, go, when I lecture, I have people always come up to me and say, Elsie was standing beside you. Elsie, you are the reincarnation of Elsie. I can see Elsie and Mark right around you. You know, I get this really a lot. So, again, without getting into the glamour of it, you know, I, I don't like to associate too much of my ego with all this. It's more that it's a quest in my life. Yeah. Well, and definitely one that, that um, is giving you affirmations all along the way that you're supposed to be. That's right. To keep delivering these messages. And, it's, and it fills me full of joy, the saving tools, the work with the saving tools. Um, I can't imagine my life without it now. Um, and I know that a lot of people who get into the saving tools feel the, the same way, that it's just something, uh, so, something so incredibly, that adds so incredibly to their astrology. But I'd really like your listeners to be reassured that even if they don't understand astrology or know very much about it, they can still use it. Yeah, they can use it as an oracle. But more than that, they can actually cast a chart. You know, I mean, nowadays we've got solar fire and and um, and the uh, matrix reports. You know, matrix uh, software. We've got all sorts of um, software nowadays. And, you know, we can do it online um, through astro.com. Um, you know, where we can cast a chart, and then we can look up the Sabin symbols, and then uh, through that we can get a whole lot of information about the chart um, without really knowing a lot about astrology. Right. Well, and another use of the Sabian symbols that, that I noted in looking at your last newsletter was looking at how you apply them to the eclipses and how, you know, I'm making then the leap of look at how we can use this to look at world events, um, mm. transits for the world, uh, overall energies, things like that. You know, like you had mentioned in the beginning, looking at the degree of the moon and what that says about right now or looking at you know, the degree of any planet and where it is at the moment. 
in telling us about this moment. So um, could you talk a little bit about how you use them with eclipses in particular? Because I just found that that to be fascinating. Yes, well, the thing is, really, it's, um, if it's, a, if it's a, a lunar eclipse, it will be on a full moon. So I always, thought, always like to look at the degree of the moon, of course, but then also the degree of the sun, because the degree of the sun on that day is going to be a very interesting degree as well. The degree of the sun every day is interesting. Mm-hmm. But when you have a lunar eclipse, of course, or a solar eclipse, it becomes a lot more focused. The energy is a lot more focused. So I'll look at the degree of the moon and I'll look at the degree of the sun in a lunar eclipse. Um, and also all the other degrees too. I mean, you, you know, look at Mercury, look at, uh, look at Venus, look at Mars, because they're going to bring in the story. They're going to tell the story that's unfolding. Uh, in a solar eclipse, um, of course, the sun and the moon are on the one degree, and that really catalyzes that degree. Um, in, world, in world events, um, and there's always world events that come from eclipses, in, in world events, um, you can do the charts of, say, China, of the United States, um, uh, you can do the charts of uh, events. You can you can get up in the morning. You can look at the and you don't know need to know anything about astrology really to do this. Um, you can find out what the degree of the sun is, which you can do through various websites around the place or whatever through software. Um, and you can you can really apply that, and then you can see it coming uh, through through the um, through the media. I mean, it's just it's ongoing. It's an amazing thing. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's so descriptive of what's going on, and you can see it in the larger, it's sort of like the microcosm and the macrocosm. You can see it happening around you in many, many different ways, and you can really see them manifesting in so many ways. Um, You can see them manifesting like in a political sphere, on your personal sphere. You can see them manifesting on a physical level. Um, You can see them, uh, they'll come up on on an emotional level, they'll come up on the mental level, they'll come up on um, the spiritual level. So... When you look at those things, you can really see how they're manifesting out there. Like, for example, I looked at China's chart a couple of weeks ago. I, I had I had looked at it years years ago, mm-hmm. and I decided to have another look at it because of the um, because of the Olympics and the Sabian symbol for the sun in the the chart that's used currently for China is um, the eighth degree of um, Libra, and the Sabian symbol for that is the um, the blazing fireplace in the deserted home. Well, the home's deserted because, largely because they only allow people to have one child. Yeah. So the blazing fireplace, it's sort of like they have to create their own fire. They have to, you know, light a candle. They have to, you know, uh, they have to be okay with only having one child. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, for the Chinese, that's a deserted home. So, you know, and, and so it's just amazing. You think, well... You know, there, there's a little bit of um, legislation, you know, a major piece of legislation that came that is really reflected through the, the chart of China. In the chart of America, um, uh, you know, we, we know that it's a very strong country, um, an amazing and wonderful country, um, but there can be problems with um, overeating or overconsumption. Mm-hmm. Um, the consumer society in America is at once wonderful and amazing and horrid, <laughs> if you right. know what I mean. You know, overconsumption, garbage, um, obesity. Uh, but, of course, you know, you can reach out and get wonderful things, wonderfully invented things. Uh, you can get wonderful food. You can really nourish yourself. Um, and one of the saving symbols in the chart is the, um, the group of people who've overeaten and enjoyed it. Yeah. So they can translate as consumerism um, on many levels. And so, um, of course, it can lead to obesity um, and it can lead to some people having homes overflowing with things to the point where they can barely move. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's also a, has a really wonderful connotation. Um, the, uh, in the Progress chart of the 1776 chart, the chart that we used for July 4th, 1776, the chart that many astrologers use for the United States, there's um, just had a um, the Progress Mars is just uh, stationed, and it's stationed in Libra, so that, you know, so that can talk about war, because yeah. you know, are, are you uh, are you talking to your enemy or are you uh, fighting with the enemy, um, Mars there? And it's on the gang of robbers in hiding. Oh, wow. So let's talk about terrorism and, you know, terror is out there, terror, 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 uh, a lot of which I think is um, overblown and made up for, mm -hmm. for an agenda. But, um, that, you know, that saving symbol is really coming through very loud and clear through the agency of that progressed Mars. Um, and as it's sitting on there for several years, that's a really interesting thing. It's also the Jupiter in George Bush's chart. It's his Jupiter is the gang of robbers in hiding. Oh, interesting. And then I'll leave people to figure out what they think that means. <laughs> and we'll let people their connect own. their own dots there. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, well, I was really um, particularly interested in uh, that most recent eclipse uh, that you looked at and how the image, I can't remember the exact degree, but the image was about the butterfly. Oh, yes, that was the lunar eclipse. Yeah, the butterfly yep. with the right wing more perfectly formed. And can you recall what degree that was? Of it yes, was twenty-five degrees of Aquarius from mm -hmm. memory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. There's a wonderful degree that one. That's um. But it's it's a need for balance to find equilibrium, and and it can be, uh, for many of us that we've um we're either we've either really formed our left brain really a lot. You know, a lot of people are really into their left brain, the logical side of their their mind. Or we're, you know, very creative and spiritual into our right brain. Um, and sometimes we need to really uh, look to see how we can balance those things up. Sometimes we find that um, we might always be looking for the spiritual meaning for something when really it's just we didn't turn the switch on the computer the right way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, that's a silly example, but it's, but, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. Um, and also if things are going really wrong in your life, it's a, there's a need to find equilibrium. There's a need to go, okay, just how, just how negative is this situation? How impacting on it on me is this? You know, how can I come back to a state of equilibrium? So it's very much about finding that balance. It, it is a, an absolutely beautiful degree, um, but there is a need for balance and equilibrium, and, and um, because there can be mutations, there can be when I mean um, imbalances that throw you off guard. Yeah. So it's a matter of coming back to that space of of equality and equilibrium. It's a, it's, it's a with quite an amazing eclipse, very powerful and strong feelings around it. Neptune, of course, is right there. You can watch the, the outer planets and they will reveal absolutely amazingly things that are going on, and not only in yourself and your friends and your clients, um, but in the world around you and, and in politics. I mean, just as an example, over the last year, George Bush met the Pope a couple of times. Um, and uh, the Pope came to Australia um, and the Sabian symbol for Pluto was um, when all this happened was on um, it was on the Pope blessing the faithful, you know, and, and the whole the city, the city of Sydney was really largely closed down while the Pope was here, mm -hmm. and uh, you know so the, and the Pope was all over our media everywhere I looked was the Pope blessing the faithful, but you know if you're not a Catholic or not interested in the Pope blessing the faithful or even if you are there is still an external thing, uh, you know, uh, something outside of the Pope that that talks about, and that is, um, uh, you know, being faithful to our own causes, you know, you know, our own spiritual life. Um, 
Right. Yeah, so it goes much deeper than that, of course, but you can see it on the external level as events. Right. And I, I just love that way of applying it and looking at, at world events. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at eclipses, do you think about the time ahead from that eclipse, like a, a six-month period yeah. or so between the eclipses as kind of the, the orb of influence then for yes, that symbol? Definitely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, there's always more I want to say on my blogs, but I just wonder if I'm going to get too long-winded about everything. And uh, but uh, but m most definitely, I think the eclipses are so interesting, and I do think that they really um, uh, it's like a it's like it releases that energy. Some people think that, and it's the same with a full moon and a new moon. I mean, this also counts for this, but also, but the eclipses are much stronger, of course. Um, that something, whatever happens around that time, is something that you've set in train. So it's been the birth of something anyway. Right. Whether you just get connected to a new internet server, or you plan a trip to go to, you know, America, or you know, or to go overseas, or you know, you you've decided to get married, or whatever it happens to be, you know, moving house. Um, anything that happens around that period is an event that's going to lead forward, and it's going to have ramifications in the in the future even if you sit down and have a very strong heart-to-heart -heart talk with a family member. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's always ramifications that come on from that. So, of course, the events that happen around that time lead on to other events. And I think people sort of tend to not think about that. Yeah. That you are actually birthing things all of the time. And when there's an eclipse, of course, there are much more powerful things that are um, powerful energies, um, powerful thoughts, powerful uh, events uh, happen. Um, and yes, definitely, um, that's unleashing something. And then, then the next eclipse comes along and, of course, adds another layer to that. I actually think, um, I, I'm really into the whole hologram thing of astrology, the Sabian symbols, the zodiac, the planets, our lives, our spirituality. I really like the hologram model where it's all around us. And I don't think that what happened two weeks ago is really gone. It's still hanging in the air. I don't mm -hmm. mean that in a bad way. I mean in an energy way. Yeah. And those things stay with us. And, you know, people might say, well, that was that full moon all that time back. That's not going to have any effect on me now. Well, we always take things with us into the future. Everything, we're, we're made up of everything that's ever happened to us. Um, and so we're taking those events into the future with us, us anyway. Um, something else that I think I should explain to your listeners is sure. how you figure the saving symbol. Yeah, and it, yeah, I was actually going to bring up the, the tactical note. So... Um, so yeah, a, a good a good thing to remember uh, on a technical note is that you want to round up to the degree, right? When you're that's right. Yeah. So um, if you could spl explain that a little bit. Certainly. Um, with the the saving symbol started at one degree of Aries, mm -hmm. but the zodiac starts at zero. Right. Um, and uh, so uh, zero to one is the first degree. And when I'm talking, yeah, so zero to one degree of Aries is the first degree of Aries in the saving symbol. So rather than confuse people, it's a bit like when you're turning, when you're going into your second year, you're called one, but you're only in your second year of life. Mm -hmm. So that's a good analogy for that, I believe. So I'm just using, a, just using an example. Say that your Mercury is at the, um, uh, 15 degrees of Scorpio. Say it's 15, 27 degrees of Scorpio. You actually read 16 degrees of Scorpio because um, we're on the 16th degree. Um, I'm going to go back to the beginning. When, you, when something's on the first degree of Aries, so mm -hmm. it's, it looks like zero degrees on your chart. It will be zero degrees on your chart, but there's no zero degrees of Aries 
in the save intervals, there's, there's one. Right. So you're rounding it up one. So what I say to the people is that to get the minutes on, a, on, a, um, on your uh, planet, uh, just look at the degree. Yeah. So say with that 15, 27 degree of Scorpio Mercury, forget the 27 minutes. Don't worry about that. Look at the 15 degrees mm-hmm. and just add one. What I found out was that when people were looking at this system, um, they were going, no, no, I've always read the wrong one then. I read the one before. Oh, no, I really liked it and it really describes who I am. And I had this happen so many times and it was so obvious that the degree before really fitted the person. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how can that be? And I, so I did a lot of investigation into it and found, yep, the degree before. So in the case of 15, 27 degrees of Scorpio, mm-hmm. the degree before would be 15. Yeah. It's not the actual degree my Mercury is on, it's the degree before. Uh, but the 15th degree of Scorpio will also describe my Mercury. And, and the, the degree before will always describe somebody's stuff. And what I found out, and I labeled it, I made this up myself, is it seems to be the karmic condition of the person. It seems to be something like the south node condition. Mm. It seems to be something like they've brought something through in this life that they're good at. They, it could be a habit. It could be something that they've done in many past lives. It could be something they really need to throw out that's not really going to take them forward. Right. It could right. be not useful. It could be wonderfully useful, but that's where it, it becomes up to the person who's looking at the thing, whether, it's, whether they're manifesting it in a more useful way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you can actually be looking backwards and forwards to get insight. In that's exactly right. Yeah. So taking my, my illustration, people might want to actually write this down. I think it helps when you write things down. Taking my illustration of my Mercury, it's 15, 27 degrees of Scorpio. So you would look up the 16th degree of Scorpio as being my saving symbol. You could also look up the 15th degree, and that would give you information of the karmic condition of my my Mercury. Um, and then you could look at the degree after, and I found this to be, this is really dynamic as stuff as well, the degree after is the degree that your planets progressed over when, after you were born. Yeah. Not only that, but they also transited straight after you were born, like you, you're gasping your first breath, and, you know, and quite a few of those planets moved on to that next degree, especially in the case of the moon, especially in the case of the ascendant. Um, things keep ticking away after you're born. Yes. And the degrees directly after, particularly the first degree after, so in my case it would be the 17th degree of Scorpio, um, is, um, it's like the quest symbol. I've named it the quest symbol. Mm-hmm. It's what you're questing towards. It's what you have to really lean towards in terms of learning about your life. It's like there's an opening there. So going back, the karmic condition seems to be like the south node, like a a karmic thing, something you've brought through in this life, something that you're really good at, something that you need to learn about, something you need to assess, whether it's leading you forward or taking you backwards in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The degree you're actually on is very much like a personality, a here and now degree. It's something that you're really manifesting out there in in your life in terms of events, in terms of your personality, in terms of relationships with family, just in, in many different ways, depending on the planet. But still, I think... I think each and every planet broadcasts through all the different uh, ways in your life. I, I'm not, I don't confine planets to houses, but I don't want to get too complicated here huh? <laughs> and get into that at this moment. But anyway, so the degree you're actually on seems to be a personality thing. And the degree after seems to be like this questing, this thing that you need to learn. And it's very much like the North Node. Every, each and every single planet and point in your chart can be looked at this way. You can look at the degree before, the degree you're on, and the degree after. 
um, it provides enormous information about each planet. Now, I don't want people to get confused and race off and do hundreds of <laughs> different right. things because, because it can be confusing and it's a good thing to start with your own chart because you know yourself the best. Um, of course, there will be people listening to this who have used the Sabian Civils for many years and, and hopefully you know, they'll find this really interesting and, and they can launch into this because not only can you do this, but you can actually look at the opposition. Right. Every time you have an opposition to your sun, your Mercury, your Venus, your Mars, whatever it is, it's coming across the zodiac 180 degrees. Anytime there's a transit to a point in your chart, um, it's coming from a particular saving symbol. Well, what's that saving symbol? Mm -hmm. That's going to tell you a lot about that planet because every time there's an opposition to your Mercury or your sun or your moon, um, uh, those are the things that are going to come up, issues that are going to come up in that opposition. And, I mean, every month the moon goes past and opposes your sun, your moon, your Venus, your whatever. So, uh, you know, you have oppositions going on all the time. Right. And the opposition uh, point might be interesting to look at anyway. You know, Very just... interesting to look at. It's going to describe to you what the opposition is of that, of that planet. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I realized after I'd been working with this for a while, well, it's going to tell you what the opposition point is of that degree. It doesn't matter what's on there. Right. It doesn't even have to be anything on there. <laughs> Right, just the opposition itself. Of that degree. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and we learn that the, um, each of the degrees holds that charge. They hold the charge of the, the conjunction, like what is on that degree, what the saving symbol, the opposition and the squares. I mean, it's, it, it really it becomes something that you can really focus in on yourself. And, you, you know, you could do it. Uh, you could set aside a time for meditation on yourself, you know, on your, on your issues, and you could look up your, your Venus. You know, what's happening around your relationships? Well, the saving symbol for your Venus might be the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, what is the opposition to that? Well, any time there's an opposition to your Venus from Scorpio, it's on the youth holding the lighted candle. Okay, and he's gaining a sense of, a, of another world, the, um, the invisible world. Okay, sometimes you might be needing to shed light on things that are invisible to you. Uh, maybe sometimes you're not really noticing what's going on in the real world um, when something's opposing your Venus. You need to get more grounded. Um, then you can go to the, the third degree, uh, the fourth degree of um, uh, Leo and the fourth degree of uh, Aquarius, and you'll get information about your Venus through doing that. Um, those grand crosses uh, tell the story of your planet. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then you can do it with your progressions. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it just becomes, it really is kind of endless the ways that you can use this and apply it. And um, right. it's so much fun to explore uh, exactly and play with right. it. And, and people sometimes say, well, um, oh, it's a saving symbols. I've learned about those. And, I'll, and, I'll, and sometimes I think, oh, have you really? Right. <laughs> it's mean, kind I don't of... mean to put them down or anything, but no. it's just that people are a bit, oh, they go, oh, no, no, I don't know about that. Oh. I mean, you just think, well, there's so much to it. I mean, I don't know if you've really taken a really good look, you know, because if you really go into it, it starts to describe the hologram that is, that is life. Right. And, I mean, like anything with, within astrology, it really is endless. I mean, you could spend exactly. lifetimes and lifetimes exactly. learning about astrology, too. And right. uh, it's the same principle. That's right. And you don't, of course, have to go that deep. I mean, you might not want to go that deeply. You just might want to know what the degree of the moon is right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there is, something, uh, there is something interesting where this degree after, you know, the, I brought up the moon right now is on the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The degree after that, which we're probably moving on any minute now, 
in terms of the moon, mm-hmm. is um, the widow at an open grave, which keeps coming up and up and up for me. Um, it's, it's, it's a degree that continually comes up. So it's interesting that we're having this, um, this interview right with the moon about to move on to that degree. Um, yeah, there's so much that I want to say, but, you know, there's a lot more information, of course, at my, my um, website. Um, yeah, and, and I'd like to give that out to people so that they can go and check that out too and uh, do the oracle for themselves because that's really fun. Uh, go to sabiansymbols.com and it's S-A-B-I-A-N-S-Y-M-B-O-L-S.com. And I'll also have a link up at my site for that so people can go firsthand and, and use the oracle and read about you as well. Thank you so much for oh, sharing you. all your knowledge about the symbols with us. And uh, I, I'm really uh, excited to have uh, the listeners hear this show. Thank you very much. It's lovely chatting with you. Oh, you too. And thank you so much for your time, Linda. Thank you. And we'll talk again. We definitely will. 